0: And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here you hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred. This week I'm very excited to have Quicksilver Radio Theater back on the show. They're the ones who did the marvelous job with Abe Lincoln's Last Day, a two-part show we hosted back in February, along with a great interview by the play's producer, Carrie Gwickman, and the director, Jay Stern. Well, Mr. Stern has just released a new film based on an Elizabethan tragedy. It's called Changeling. We thought it'd be fun to play one of their radio plays with much of the same cast. It's a Shakespeare's classic, The Tragedy of Julius Caesar. And I hope you enjoy it. We'll be playing the first half today. Uh, stay tuned next week for the conclusion. <laughs>
1: New York, Quicksilver Radio Theater, winner of the Midwest Radio Theater Workshop's Best Script Award, brings you a tale of ambition, ideals, and corrupting power. Please turn down your lights on the present day and return with us to the glory that was ancient Rome as we present The Tragedy of Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare.
2: whilst my oracles warn that danger threatens the life of mighty Rome herself. I have made my petitions to the capital, but none will hear me. This throng that follows Caesar at the heels will crowd a fever one almost to death. I'll get me to a place more void, and there speak to great Caesar as he comes along.
3: Tribute.
0: You. Why dost thou lead these men about the streets? Indeed, sir, we make holiday
3: to rejoice in Caesar's triumph!
4: Wherefore, rejoice? What
5: conquest brings he home? Many a time and oft have you climbed up to walls and battlements to see great Pompey pass the streets of Rome. And do you now strew flowers in his way that comes in triumph over Pompey's blood? Run to your houses.
1: Fall upon your knees! Pray to the gods to intermit the plague that needs must light on
4: this ingratitude!
0: They
6: vanish tongue-tied in their guiltiness. Go you down that way towards the capital. Disrobe the images if they be hung with Caesar's trophies. May we do so? These growing feathers plucked from Caesar's wing will make him fly an ordinary pitch. Who else would soar above the view of men? and keep us all in servile fearfulness.
5: Forget not in your speed, Antony, to touch Calpurnia. The baron touched in this holy chase, shake off their sterile curse.
3: When Caesar says do this, it is
5: performed. Set on, and leave no ceremony out. Every noise! Be still! Who is it in the press that calls on me, Casca? Speak! Caesar is turned to hear!
2: Beware the Ides of March!
5: Who is that, Brutus? A soothsayer, Caesar. Bids you beware the Ides of March. Let me look upon this seer's face. Here, Caesar.
2: Uh, Beware the Ides of March.
5: Ah, A dreamer. Let us leave.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Will you go see the order of the course, Brutus? Not I. I pray you do. I am not gamesome, Cassius. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. Cassius, vexed I am of late with
1: conceptions only proper to myself, so that good Brutus, with himself at war, forgets the shows of love to other men. Tell me, good Brutus, can you see your face? (laughs) No, Cassius, for the eye sees not itself but by reflection, by
6: some other thing. Tis just, and it is very much lamented, Brutus, that you have no such mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye. Into what dangers would you lead me, Cassius? that you have me seek unto myself for that which is not in me. Good Brutus, I, your glass, will modestly discover to yourself that of yourself which you yet know not of. Caesar! What hey! Hey! Hey!
1: Hey! 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 means this shouting? Hey! Hey! I do fear the people choose Caesar for their king. Why, do you fear it? Then must I think you would not have it so. I would not, Cassius. Yet I love him well.
6: But what is it that you would impart to me? I was born free as Caesar, so were you. We have both fed as well, and we can both endure the winter's cold as well as he. For once, upon a raw and gusty day, the troubled Tiber chafing with her shores, Caesar said to Darest me, There is
5: thou, Cassius leap in with me into this angry flood, and swim to yonder point.
6: Upon the word, accoutred as I was, I plunged in and bade him follow, so indeed he did. The torrent roared and we did buffet it with lusty sinews. But ere we could arrive, the point proposed.
5: Help me, Cassius, or I sink.
6: Ay, as Aeneas, our great ancestor, did from the flames of Troy upon his shoulder the old Anchasis bare, so from the waves of Tiber did I, the tired Caesar. Cassius, I know where- He had a fever when he was in Spain, and that tongue of his that bade the Romans mark him and write his speeches in their books. Alas, it cried, give me some drink to as a sick girl. And this man has now become a god, and we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Men at sometimes are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves, that we are underlings. Caius Cassius,
1: what you would work me to, I have some aim. What you have to say, I will with patience hear. And find a time both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute himself a son of Rome under such hard conditions as this time is like to lay upon us. I am
6: glad that my weak words have struck but thus much show of fire from Brutus.
3: The games are done.
6: Caesar is returning. As they pass by, pluck Casca by the sleeve, and he will tell you what hath preceded worthy note today. Casca. Casca. Hey, Brutus.
4: Tell us what hath chanced today. Why, there was a crown offered him. And he put it by the back of his hand thus, and then the people fell a-shouting. Who offered him a crown? Why, Antony. Tell us the manner of it, gentle Casca. I saw Mark Antony offer him a crown yet t'was not a crown either, t'was one of these coronets, and as I told you, he put it by once. But for all that, to my thinking, he would fain have had it. Then he offered to him again, then he put it by again, but to my thinking, he was very loath to lay his fingers off it. And then he offered it the third time, and still, as he refused it, The rabble men and clapped their chapped hands and uttered such a deal of stinking breath because Caesar refused the crown that it almost choked Caesar, for he swooned and fell
1: down at it. it is very like. He hath the falling
6: sickness. No, Caesar hath it not. But you and I and honest Casca, we have the falling sickness. What said he when he came unto himself, Casca? He
4: said if he had done or said anything amiss, he desired their worships to think it was his infirmity. Three or four wenches where I stood cried, Alas, good soul, but if Caesar had stabbed their mothers, they would have done no less. I, I could tell you more news, too. Morellus and Flavius for pulling or off Caesar's images are put to silence. Oh, there was more foolery yet, if I could remember it. Will you dine with me tomorrow? Aye, if I be alive and your dinner worth the eating?
6: Good, I will expect you.
4: Do so. Farewell both.
6: Farewell. And so it is.
1: Cassius, for this time I will leave you. Tomorrow, if you please
6: to speak with me, I will wait for you. Till then, think of the world. Mm. Well, Brutus, thou art noble. Yet I see thy honourable metal may be wrought from that it is disposed. For who so firm that cannot be seduced. Caesar doth bear me hard, but he loves Brutus. If I were Brutus now, and he were Cassius, he should not humour me. I will this night in several hands in at his windows throw as if they came from several citizens, writings all tending to the great opinion that Rome holds of his name, wherein obscurely Caesar's ambition shall be glanced at. And after this, let Caesar seat him sure, for we will shake him, or worse days endure.
2: With the coming of night, the heavens themselves rise in protest of mortal wrongs. Caesar, as heedless to my warning as to the raging winds, confers with his trusted friend Mark Antony at his home.
5: Antonio. Caesar. Let me have men about me that are fat, sleek-headed men in such as sleep a night. <laughs> this Cassius has a lean and hungry look. He thinks too much. Such men are dangerous.
3: Fear him not, Caesar. He's not dangerous. He is a noble Roman and well-given. Would he were fatter. <laughs> but I fear him not. I rather
5: tell thee what is to be feared than what I fear. For always I am Caesar such men as he be never at heart's ease while they behold a greater than themselves. Come on my right hand, for this ear is deaf, and tell me truly what thou think'st of him.
3: Caesar, I truly feel
6: Who walks the streets on such a night? A Roman.
4: Cast off by your voice. Your ear is good, Cassius. What night is this? A very pleasing night to honest men. Are not you moved when all the sway of Earth shakes like a thing unfirm? O oh, Cassius, I have seen tempests when the scolding winds have rived the knotty oaks. but Never till tonight, never till now, did I go through a tempest dropping fire.
6: Whoever knew the Heaven's menace so? Those that have known the Earth so full of faults, now could I cast a name to thee a man no mightier than thyself, or me in personal action, yet prodigious grown and fearful, as these strange eruptions are. Tis Caesar that you mean? Is it not Cassius?
0: Yes.
4: Indeed, they say the senators tomorrow mean to establish Caesar as a king, and he shall wear his crown by sea and land.
6: I know where I will wear this dagger, then. Cassius from bondage will deliver Cassius.
4: Take my hand. Let us join for redress of all these griefs, and I will set this foot of mine as far as who goes
6: farthest. There's a bargain, made. Come, Casca, you and I will yet ere day see Brutus at his house. Three parts of him is ours already, and the man entire upon the next encounter yields him ours. Aye,
2: Casca. O Conspiracy, by day where wilt thou find a cavern dark enough to mask thy monstrous visage? Oblivious to the storm, Brutus sits in his orchard in deep meditation. The letters which Cassius forged are brought to him under the cover of night. One by one, he reads them.
1: Brutus, thou sleep'st, awake and see thyself. Starlight makes poor reading. Speak, strike, redress. Brutus, arise, sleep not. Such instigations have been often dropped where I have took them up. Shall Rome, thus must I piece it out, shall Rome stand under one man's awe. What, Rome? My ancestors did from the streets of Rome the Tarquin Drive when he was called a king. For my part, I know no personal cause to spurn at Caesar. But for the general, he would be crowned. How that might change his nature, there's the question. It is the bright day that brings forth the adder. Crown him, and then I grant we put a sting in him that at his will he may do danger with. The abuse of greatness is when it disjoins remorse From power, to speak truth of Caesar I have not known, When his affections swayed more than his reason. But tis a common proof that lowliness is young ambition's ladder, Whereto the climber upward turns his face. But when he once attains the utmost route, He then unto the ladder turns his back, Looks in the clouds, scorning the base degrees By which he did ascend. So may Caesar. Then lest he may... Prevent.
7: Sir, tis your brother Cassius at the door, who doth desire to see you. (coughs) Is he alone? No, sir, there are more with him.
1: Do you know them? No, sir, their hats are plucked about their ears, and half their faces buried
7: in their cloaks.
1: Let them enter. Shamest thou to show thy dangerous brow by night, when evils are most free?
6: I think we are too bold upon your rest. Good morrow, Brutus. Do we trouble you? I have
1: been up this hour, awake all night, between the first notion and the acting of a dreadful thing. All the interim is like a phantasm or a hideous dream.
6: Know I these men that come along with you? Yes, every man of them. And every one doth wish you had but that opinion of yourself, which every noble Roman bears of you. This is Trebonius. Good morrow. This Decius. He is welcome hither. This Casca, this Cinna, to... and this Metellus Cimber. You are all welcome.
1: It must be by his death. Give me your hands, all over, one by one.
4: Shall no man else be touched, but only Caesar?
6: Decius, well urged. I think it is not meet mock Antony, so well beloved of Caesar, should outlive Caesar. We shall find of him a shrewd contriver.
1: Indeed, our
6: course will seem too bloody, Cassius. To cut the
1: head off and then hack the limbs. Let us be sacrificers, but not butchers. We all stand up against the spirit of Caesar. Oh, that we could come by Caesar's spirit and not dismember Caesar. But gentle friends, let's carve him as a dish fit for the gods, not hew him as a carcass fit for hounds. Yes. Peace. Mark the hour. The morning comes upon us.
6: Let us swear our resolution.
1: No, not an oath the sufferance of our souls, the time's abuse. If these bear fire enough to kindle cowards, to steal with valor the melting spirits of women, then, countrymen, what oath need we other than honesty
6: to honesty engaged, that this shall be, or we will fall for
0: it? We'll
6: leave you, Brutus. And friends, disperse yourselves, but all remember what you have said, and show yourselves true Romans. So good morrow to you, you everyone.
0: everyone. Uh,
1: boy. Lucius. <laughs> Fast asleep. No matter. Enjoy the honey-heavy dew of slumber. Thou hast no figures, nor no fantasies, which busy care draws in the brains of men. Therefore thou sleepst so sound.
8: Brutus Malone.
1: Wherefore rise you now?
8: You have ungently, Brutus, stole from my bed. And yesternight at supper you suddenly arose and walked about, musing and sighing. And when I asked you what the matter was, you, with an angry wafture of your hand, gave sign for me to leave you. So I did, hoping it was but an effect of humor. Yes. It will not let you eat, nor talk, nor sleep. And could it work so much upon your shape as it hath much prevailed on your condition? I should not know you, Brutus. Dear my lord, make me acquainted with your cause of grief.
1: I am not well in health, and that is all.
8: Brutus is wise, and were he not in health, he would embrace the means to come by it. Why,
1: so I do. Good Portia, go to bed.
8: What? Is Brutus sick? And will he steal out of his wholesome bed to dare the vile contagion of the night, to add unto his sickness? No, my Brutus. You have some sick offense within your mind, which by the right and virtue of my place I ought to know of. I will not... And upon my knees I charm you. No. By my once commended beauty, and that great vow which did incorporate and make us one, Do not, that kneel. you unfold to me, yourself, your half, why you are heavy. <sighs> and what men tonight have had resort to you, some six or seven who did hide their faces even from darkness? Kneel
1: not, gentle Porter. I should
8: not need if you were gentle Brutus. Am I yourself, but as it were in sort or limitation, to keep with you at meals, comfort? your bed and talk to you sometimes? Dwell I but in the suburbs of your good pleasure. If it be no more, Portia is Brutus' harlot, not his wife. You
1: are my true and honorable wife, as dear to me as are the ruddy drops that visit my sad heart.
8: If this were true, then should I know this secret. I grant I am a woman, but withal a woman that Lord Brutus took to wife. Tell me your counsels. I will not disclose them. I have made strong proof of my constancy, giving myself a voluntary wound here in the thigh. Can I bear that with patience and not my husband's secrets?
1: O gods, render me worthy of this noble wife. Portia, go in a while, and by and by thy bosom shall partake the secrets of my heart.
8: My Lord Caesar!
5: No heaven nor earth have been at peace tonight. Thrice hath Calpurnia in her sleep cried out. Go, bid the priests do present sacrifice, and bring me their opinions of success.
7: I will, my Lord. What mean you, Caesar? You shall not stir out of our house today.
5: Caesar shall forth. The things that threaten me ne'er looked but on my back. When they shall see the face of Caesar, they are banished.
7: Caesar, I never stood on ceremonies. Yet now they fright me. There is one within recounts most horrid sight seen by the watch. Graves have yawned and yielded up their dead. Fierce fiery warriors fought upon the clouds in ranks and squadrons in right form of war, which drizzled blood upon the capital. O Caesar, these things are beyond all use, and I do fear them.
5: These predictions are to the world in general as to Caesar.
7: When beggars die, there are no comets seen.
5: Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Of all the wonders that I yet have heard, it seems to me most strange that men should fear, seeing that death will come when it will come. What say the augurs?
7: They would not have you to stir forth today. Plucking the entrails of an offering forth, they could not find a heart within the beast. But
5: gods do this in shame of cowardice. Caesar should be a beast without a heart if he should stay at home today for fear.
7: Alas, my lord, your wisdom is consumed in confidence. Do not go forth today. Call it my fear that keeps you in the house and not your own. Let me upon my knee prevail in this.
5: For thy humor, I will stay at home.
1: <sighs> Caesar, oh. all hail.
5: Good morrow, worthy Caesar. I come to fetch you to the Senate house. Good Theseus, bear my greeting to the senators and tell them that I will not come today. Oh. Cannot is false, and that I dare not falser. I will not come today.
7: Say he is sick. Shall
5: Caesar send a lie? Have I in conquest stretched mine arms so far to be afraid to tell greybeards the truth? Decius, go tell them Caesar will not come. Most mighty Caesar let me know some cause, lest I be laughed at when I tell them so. The cause is in my will. I will not come. But because I love you, I will let you know. Hmm. Calpurnia here, my wife, stays hmm. me at home. She dreamt tonight she saw my statue, which, like a fountain with a hundred spouts, did run pure blood. And many lusty Romans came smiling and did bathe their hands in it. This dream is all a misinterpreted.
4: Your statue, spouting blood in many pipes, in which so many smiling Romans bathed, signifies that
5: from you great Rome shall suck reviving blood. This way have you well expounded it. And know it now, the Senate have concluded to give this day a crown to
1: mighty Caesar. If you shall send them word you will not come, their minds may change. Shall they not whisper?
6: Lo,
5: Caesar is afraid. How foolish do your fears seem now, Calpurnia. I am ashamed I did yield to them. But, Caesar. Give me my robe, for I will go.
2: Oh, no. oh fate, shall thy path not be diverted? Caesar follows thy course up the marble steps of the capitol.
5: (laughs) The Ides of March are come, soothsayer.
2: Aye, Caesar. But not gone. All
6: any business, come into the capitol chamber.
1: I wish your enterprise today may thrive. What enterprise,
6: Popilius?
1: (laughs) Fare you well.
6: What said, Popilius? He wished our enterprise might thrive. I fear our purpose is discovered. Look how he makes to Caesar mark him. Casca be sudden, for we fear prevention. Cassius, Brutus, what shall be done? If this be known, I will slay myself. Cassius be constant.
1: Look, Popilius speaks not of our purposes, for he smiles. And Caesar does not change.
6: Troponius knows his time. For look, you, Brutus, he draws Mark Antony out of the way. Where is Matilda Simba?
1: Let him go and presently prefer his suit to Caesar. He is addressed. Press near and
4: second him. Cashel, shall. you are the first that rears your hand. And my pleasure.
5: Are we all ready? What is now amiss that Caesar and this senate must redress?
3: Most high, most mighty, and most glorious Caesar. Metellus Simba throws before thy seat a humble heart. Be not
5: fond to think that
3: Caesar bears such rebel blood
5: that will be thawed from the true quality
3: with that which melteth fools. My brother by decree is banished. Is there no voice more worthy than my own to sound for the repealing of my banished brother? I kiss thy
1: hand, but not in flattery, Caesar, desiring thee that Metellus' brother may have an immediate freedom
5: of repeal. Oh Caesar, hands I also thou w- lift up Olympus? Great Caesar, that Brutus, bootless kneel. Speak hands for me! Um.
4: Ah!
1: Be not affrighted, fly not, stand still, ambition's debt is
3: paid. Men, wives, and children stare, crowd and run as if for doomsday.
1: Our fates, we shall die, we know, but the time. Stoop, Romans, stoop, and let us bathe our hands in Caesar's blood. Then walk we forth even to the marketplace, and waving our red weapons o'er our heads, let's all cry, Peace! freedom and
6: liberty. Stoop then and wash. How many ages hence shall this our lofty scene be acted over in states unborn and accents yet unknown? So often shall the knot of us be called the men that gave their country liberty. What shall we forth? I Brutus shall lead, and we will grace his heels with the most boldest and best hearts of Rome.
1: Here comes Antony. Welcome,
3: Mark Antony. Oh, mighty Caesar. Dost thou lie so low? Are all thy conquests, glories, triumphs, spoils shrunk to this little measure? Fare thee well. <clears throat> I know not, gentlemen, what you intend. Who else must be let blood? If I myself there is no hour so fit as Caesar's death hour, nor no instrument of half that worth as those your swords made rich with the most noble blood of all this world. Antony, beg not your death of us. You see but our
1: hands, and this the bleeding business they have done. Our hearts you see not. To you our swords have leaden points, Mark Antony. Your voice shall be as strong as any man's in the disposing of new dignities. Only be patient till we have pacified the multitude, and then we will deliver you the cause. Why, I that did love Caesar as I struck him have thus
6: proceeded. What compact mean you to have with us? Will you be pricked in number of our friends?
3: Let each man render me his bloody hand. Friends am I with you all, and love you all, upon this hope that you shall give me reasons why and wherein Caesar was dangerous. Our reasons are so full of good regard that were you Antony, the son of Caesar, you should be satisfied. That's all I seek, and am moreover, ever that I may produce his body to the marketplace, and in the pulpit, as becomes a friend, speak in the order of his funeral. You shall, Mark Antony. Brutus, a word with you.
6: You know not what you do. Know you how much the people may be moved by that which he will utter?
1: By your pardon, I will myself into the pulpit first.
6: Brutus, I like it not.
1: Mark Antony, here. Take you Caesar's body. You shall not in your funeral speech blame us, but speak all good you can devise of Caesar, and say you do it by our permission. And you shall speak in the same pulpit whereto I am going after my speech is ended. I do desire no more. Good. Prepare the body, then, and follow us.
3: Pardon me, thou bleeding piece of earth, that I am meek and gentle with these butchers. Thou art the ruins of the noblest man that ever lived in the tide of times. Over thy wounds now do I prophesy. A curse shall light upon the limbs of men. Blood and destruction shall be so in use that mothers shall but smile when they behold their infants quartered with the hands of war. And Caesar's spirit, ranging for revenge, with Ate by his side, come hot from hell, shall in these confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc Then let slip the dogs of war.
0: And that was the Quicksilver Radio Theater again with the first half of the tragedy of Julius Caesar. You heard uh, Craig Wickman as Brutus, Joseph Francini as Cassius, Robert Cheney as Mark Antony, James Prendergast as Caesar with Emma Palzier, Dan Rankin, Clyde Baldu, Katie Nutt, Bernadette Fiorella, Derek Lively, and John Prave. Music was by Franz Spitznagel, sound effects by Ivan Hartzou and Mr. Baldu, recorded by Phil Castellano, edited by Dominic Barber of Soundtrack New York. And I apologize if I butchered anybody's name there. Uh, it was adapted and directed by Jay Stern. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, Jay Stern has also adapted and directed a film recently called The Changeling, which is now um, premiering uh, May 16th to 26th at the Pioneer Theater in New York City. Um, Clyde Baldu, James Prendergast, Craig Wickman, and Jay Stern are all uh, involved in that production. Jay Stern directed and produced it. The rest of them were actors. And um, just like the Julius Caesar you just heard, The Changeling is a great take of uh, bringing a Elizabethan era of text and making it original and fresh and really enjoyable for a contemporary audience and taking that language that's appropriate and delivering it in a way that's still very thoroughly modern. And I think that's uh, what I admired about listening to Julius Caesar myself, and I hope you felt the same way. And do be sure to tune in next week where we'll have the conclusion. And you can state your cravings for some more news, reviews, and discussion at the blog at www.RadioDramaRevival.com. Uh, the podcast is at the same address. You can download previous episodes there, or check us out on the iTunes store, Radio Drama Revival. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Have a good week.